welcome back to Grit I Campbell, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters and the resident moose himself, Mo Nawara. After a 4-1 Week 12 record, we are currently 30-25-5 in the Las Vegas Super Contest, tied for 968th place, back in the top third percentile, just when we thought we were out. They bring us back in, back-to-back four-in-one weeks for the collective. The only loss coming on Thanksgiving, the last time we released a podcast. Again, many thanks to all of you for listening. Hope you had great holidays. Hope you traveled safe. Gentlemen, DP, you first. You're Mr. Positive, so you're definitely enjoying this run. Good to get a couple winners back-to-back, right, kiddo? Definitely right, kiddo. Uh, we need to uh, we need to do it again though this week. Um, I'm feeling good though. Uh, normally, I mean, Mo mentioned this uh, in the chat this week. Normally, we kind of fall off towards the end of the year, and now it seems like we're turning things around and we're surging. Um, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but I mean, we just we have to keep up the pace. You know, four and one from here on out needs to happen. Um, so let's make it happen. DP mirrored the card at four and one. So did. Mr. Nuora, back-to-back four-in-one weeks for both of y'all, and winning is something that is not new to Mo. I tweeted some stats yesterday. Mo continues to crush the 2018 NFL season, 37-20-3 in his top five. That's good for 64%. And overall, every single game, gun to his head, 98-70-7, and and even 58% winning percentage. Mo how much every week are you just printing like what's it like to just live the life of mo right now i wish i was doing much better earlier in the season when um more of the teasers were coming in the last couple weeks have just been like meh for me to be honest um too many teaser losers and uh yeah i don't know this last, some, uh, this last some, week, some good and some bad, but this last we're week, still doing fine. This last week couldn't have been a bad teaser week. Touchdown favorites, 5-1. and one. That seems like a teaser special. Yeah, uh, this last week uh, was like okay, but um, I think there was only a few that were in teaser range. A bunch of them were like the Chargers and shit, where it was just like yeah. they were minus 14 or whatever, and the, um, the Ravens, like those I'm not touching, but... Uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. Um, I gotta say, apparently the the Twitterati are coming out now. After you tweeted all that stuff, like I picked up like fifteen followers in like the last twelve hours. <laughs> Tout Mo. Yeah, they're they're coming. They want they want more picks. Uh, so if anyone, if any one of you guys are listening, I don't really post picks on the Twitter. You'll just have to listen to the podcast. Yeah, and and if anything. That's kind of what I wanted this whole thing to be. I Even if we somehow won this crazy competition, I don't think we'd be ever out here touting. And to be honest, I think that our discussion on these games, even though sometimes it's juvenile and contains name-calling, is probably the most constructive thing that we do. And, and if there's any way that you guys uh, get a peek into our process by listening, I think that's going to be more valuable than just tailing us. Uh, I also... While you can use it how you may, I've I've pinned the uh, the worksheet that I update every week 
to the top of my Twitter page at Rich T. Ryan. Again, there's no picks there. I'm not leading you in any direction, but it's a bunch of data that you can do what you want with it. Uh, you can use it. You can fade it. It has weather stuff. Uh, it's heavily weighted on DVOA. It's got look-ahead lines, public liens, and it's just one of those things where whatever your process is, you know, do with it what you may. Uh, but yeah, I don't think we're ever going to be the guys that are giving out 1-800 numbers to buy picks, even if we win. <laughs> That's not our job. Um, but we are winning. So if there was ever a time to maybe tail, uh, it is now. Uh, surprisingly, home dogs, uh, only 2-2 two and two last week, uh, but they're still winners on the season right now, 26-20-1, winning at a 56% clip. And more importantly, uh, consensus picks seem to be back. The last two weeks, we are combined 5-1 and one when all four hosts are on a side, and lone wolves are not doing well. We did have a winner coming last night. Donnie clicked the Texans. The coin came up Texans in his last pick, his one-pointer. Uh, so last two weeks, we were 18-6. and 18-6 and six when three hosts are on the same side. So like Donnie mentioned, uh, this is usually the time of the season where we start to crumble like a cookie, like a bad quarterback entering Arrowhead. But we are starting to, to turn a corner, which is fun. Uh, let's talk about the first game. The only game that we failed to cover, and it was about as moosey as it gets. The final, 17-31, Falcons at Saints. We were getting 13 points, so the Falcons only failed to cover by one point. And that's with the Falcons going officially 2-for-4 in the red zone. But two of the fumbles that occurred in the red zone, one at the two-yard line by Calvin Ridley, the other around the 15-yard line by Julio Jones at the end of the first half. They don't register as official trips to the red zone. So you can make that two of six, uh, and not included in the rant that I just gave was an official red zone trip, which ended with a fumble on the two-yard line. So if we just convert a field goal at the end of that first half or just get any points out of any of those drives, this is a slam-dunk cover. Mo, I'm going to turn to you first. Am I crazy in thinking that watching this game and seeing what happened in some of those trips, did the Falcons almost win this game? Is that a thing that actually almost happened? Or am I being jaded by the fact that we were we were moosed against the spread? I, I don't think the Falcons were ever winning this game. But um, they definitely should have covered. This definitely should have been a cover. Uh, they definitely should have lost by like less than 10 points. I mean, this was just stupid. I, basically, my reasoning on this one was that I thought uh, I thought that the Falcons, no matter that they were a decent amount of points worse than the Saints, the mechanics and of the way the game works with trading possessions and the Falcons would be able to move the ball with their passing offense against a poor passing defense. So they just wouldn't fall that far behind. Um, and yet they were able to, as I expected, roll up all these yards and move the ball pretty much at will. But it just didn't matter. I mean, yards per play was like barely a difference. Um, they just, they really couldn't stop the Saints though at all. 
but they were fine moving the ball on their own, but they just kept fizzling out in the red zone with stupid sacks and turnovers. And fizzling out in the red zone is something that the Saints rarely, if ever, do. They were two for three in the red zone, throwing touchdowns to something D. Arnold and them boys. Very frustrating fantasy day Thanksgiving was. So many random touchdowns. Something Trey Quinn. Uh, something quiz or whatever on Detroit. Tommy so, Lee. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Something Tommy Lee Jones. Men in black. Um, just yeah, scoring six, touchdowns. Six sacks to two and four turnovers to one. So, yeah, that's just going to bury you. DP. What does this mean going forward for these two teams? Obviously, the Saints, they're just going to continue hanging massive lines. They're touchdown favorites on the road this week. Seven and a half, I think, at Dallas. And the Falcons, we know we know exactly who the Falcons are. The Falcons are probably one of the most transparent teams in the league. They can score in favorable conditions as long as it's not super cold outdoors. This offense is going to move the ball against pretty much any defense, but their defense is going to be an absolute sieve, and they're going to give up points to any offense with a pulse. Um, Falcons, feel like a team that we're always going to have a good read on. Right, DP? I feel like, yeah. I mean, they, they need to blow it up as far as I'm concerned. I'm over this Falcons team. It's just a joke. And then the Saints, they're going to win the Super Bowl. So that's that's what I know about these two teams. Or that's what I think I know about these two teams. I mean, this Falcons team, it's 2018 when defense doesn't matter at all. I mean, it matters like, a, you know, a smidge. And you just win on offense. They have all the firepower in the world. They just go up and down the field at will, but they just can't get in the end zone and can't get out of their own stupid way. It's like... I can't really like there's few teams that I look at and I'm like, okay, this team is certainly built for 2018. That's the Falcons, right? I mean, how are the Falcons not built for 2018? This should have been a track meet. Like most said, this should have been inside 10 points, let alone inside 13, which is the number that we had. And I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable the way that they just screw up. They take sacks, they have turnovers, they can't score in the red zone. Like you mentioned, Rich. I mean, the whole thing is just, it's a mess. I'm not ready to dismiss this Falcons uh, group, really. I I think they got hit with a ton of bad variants this year with injuries and even some of the fumbles in this game. Uh, Like the Julio one, like he's just trying to make a play. I I kind of get it from a a macho athlete standpoint. That's that's what Julio's, Julio's out there to do. In a perfect world, like you're not scoring from the 20. Like you're not going to hurdle a guy from the 20 and get into the end zone. So the smart thing is probably... Yeah, like, use your brain, dude. Yeah, find the chalk, get out of bounds. And then Calvin, I mean, he's a rook. Pretty soft fumble. You can't give up the ball there in that situation, but he's a rook. Hopefully he'll get smarter, he'll get stronger. So I think the Falcons are just catching a bit of bad variance. I don't do the sacks, though. Those are... Matt Ryan loves to get stuck. Well, yeah, that's that's who he is. He's He's been turned into a guy that used to... I mean, he still not perfect throwing the ball, but in the new NFL where turnovers or turnovers and sacks are the only things that matter to the other team. Turnovers being worse than sacks. Like Matt Ryan has turned into the guy who used to be able to throw 15 interceptions a year, but now instead of doing that, he just turtles and just falls down, which, you know, it's not good, but, 
but it might be slightly better than a turnover. So that's just that's who Matt Ryan is. Not mobile and in a league where you're told not to take any more chances, like he's just gonna fall down and take the sack. Um and the Saints, yeah, really good. Uh and the public is just going to keep smashing them. It'll it'll be interesting to see how high some of these lines can go as we move forward. Let's go to an ugly game that you look at the final and it seems pretty close, but watching the game throughout, the Buffalo Bills, who won 24-21 to at home against the Jags, this is a game I had on, unfortunately, for its duration on Sunday, and I didn't ever feel worried. The only time I felt worried was when so the Bills get out to a 14-0 lead and the Jags score a touchdown. And in the second scoring drive that the Jags put together, they were just running straight on Buffalo, which doesn't didn't seem to make much sense because like make Blake Bortles throw the ball, like put nine guys in the box and make Blake Bortles beat you. But for some reason Fournette was just scampering. Uh so the Jags tie it up before halftime, 14 all. Third quarter is a slugfest, no points scored. And then the fourth quarter, uh, the Bills get a long touchdown um, and then play a little bit of defense. Uh, defense was great all day for Buffalo. Uh, and Fournette, thankfully, came onto the field when he was not <laughs> on the play, threw some punches, got ejected. He will be suspended for this week. The Bills get the outright win as three-point dogs. This was Brett's pick. Mo, uh, frustrating watching Fournette run straight, but the Bills get the cover here. This team is how different is this team when Josh Allen, something Josh Allen, is playing quarterback? It's pretty amazing. I'm the one that tried telling you guys that all year, and you guys didn't believe me that Josh Allen makes a difference to the spread. This guy, I mean, he's okay. Where where all these other guys are just horrible, and just. They're just abjectly bad and like have no variance. Josh Allen has spikes of positive variance where like he makes good plays and you know he's running for first downs pretty consistently. So like whatever, he can put up enough points to cover where Derek Anderson is just a statue. He has no positive variance. He has nothing really going for him. I mean, Josh Allen is going to do some crazy shit. He's going to run for first downs. He's going to give this offense enough life to be competitive. And uh, I don't know. Hopefully now you guys finally realize what I was talking about. That O-line, though, still not great for Buffalo. And that was the concern. That was one of our biggest concerns all season was that O-line. No, not great. But one of the reads... um, I said on the pod did come through in this game. I do feel like um, the Jags, once once the snowball started rolling against them late in the game, they just kind of said, whatever. It's cold. Let's get out of here. Um, and, uh, you know, this team has no reason to fight. They have nothing to play for. But It's like these other teams that have nothing to play for, maybe they're like, there's plenty of teams that are drawing debt, but these teams are at least playing for like future developing their players. The bills season was a massive disappointment. They don't give a shit. I wouldn't give a shit either. If I was them, I mean, whatever, like it's 
So they're just coming at this horrible season from a completely different perspective than these other bad teams. So like you just have to factor that in when you're looking at what sort of games you expect this team to play. Yeah, you you said Bills, but you meant Jags there. Yeah, when when the Super Bowl window slams shut, like that's not the three and eight team that's going to be competitive ever, right? So many high expectations, so close last year, and now they're a complete dumpster fire. Following up on that Josh Allen running take, 99 yards in this game, uh, highlighted by that 45-yard scamper. He is making plays with his legs, which kind of alleviates the pain of that poor offensive line. DP, what were your takeaways from this game? Anything to add? Are the Bills a team that we have to look at? Are they going to continue getting value, especially... At home, there's a there's a line this week. They're they're traveling to do, to to Miami as touchdown dogs. Are the Bills going to be our late season darling, DP? I mean, touchdown dogs to Miami. This listen, I, how long have I said it, guys? It's it's the it's the Donnie's rule of like the city weather, like where you're from. Jacksonville doesn't give a shit. Go to a cold weather team. Don't care. Bills just going to play hard. Doesn't matter how far out of this thing they are. Doesn't matter. Might see a similar thing next week with Miami. Miami is known to just quit, just to pack it in, just to be that fair weather team. Um, I mean, listen, that that could certainly be a spot. I think with Buffalo, though, we have to just sort of temper our expectations in terms of just buying in blindly every single time they're getting a big number. I think they're going to continue to get big numbers for the rest of the season, um, or at least numbers that we like. And, uh, you know, we should take them on a case by case basis, just not, you know, blindly be picking the bills every single week. Uh, Josh Allen to me seems like a little Patrick Mahomes light. I mean, certainly stop not it, as good. Stop, Don't stop, get me wrong. Stop, yeah, stop, no, no, I'm just talking about, I'm, hold on when like, he just doesn't, he doesn't care. Like, you know, Patrick Mahomes just doesn't care. Like he, he doesn't, he's not going to Matt Ryan and just turtle. And Patrick sure. Mahomes is going to sling the rock. For sure. Josh Allen is just going to sling the rock. I mean, Josh Allen looked like a WWE superstar out there the other day, hyping up the crowd and all this stupid stuff. He's 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 Ryan Fitzpatrick. But he's a little bit, I think he's a little bit more, not, I'm not going to say polished because I don't think Josh Allen is polished yet, but like he has more gun power than Fitzpatrick. Like he can throw the ball harder. He can run faster. You know what I mean? Well, Fitzpatrick's 40 now, (laughs) right? But, but yeah, in, in his prime. But I also think Patrick Mahomes is a little bit like Ryan Fitzpatrick at times. Yeah, but Mahomes is way more accurate. That's that's the difference. Josh yeah, Allen's yeah, not... Josh Allen's biggest problem, just like Fitzpatrick, is accuracy. He's got a cannon, and he doesn't care. But he's he's never going to be able to fit it into tight windows. I don't think that's ever going to be an attribute that Josh Allen has. Totally, and I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that he just has that like no care, just absolutely sling it out there attitude. Maybe that's like something with these these younger quarterbacks these days. You know, you see, you see I think you see it out of Baker too. Baker just doesn't really seem to care. He seems like the cockiest guy in the universe, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're ever going to get that guy down. So um, I think that that's something you see a lot of days from these quarterbacks. I like Josh Allen in there. I called Josh Allen at the beginning of the season when we were doing the the prospects podcast. Um, I mean, I just I think that he just has that kind of no care attitude that that you need um, to just go in there. If he can get if he can polish up some some areas, I think he's going to be. Um, a decent quarterback, but also with Buffalo, I mean, it's going to rely on the offensive line. It's also going to rely on the weapons around him, which he has neither of those right now. So hopefully they can put some of those things in place going forward. I mean, Buffalo has been a revolving door of quarterbacks for the past, what, decade, decade and a half now. Um, I mean, they just really need to 
be able to have this guy in place and build around him. And then if they can do that, I mean, I think they're going to be a decent team from a picking perspective going forward. Uh, certainly this season, I mean, you know, looking at the standings, they might be out of it. You might not think that they're ever going to make the playoffs, but Buffalo still plays hard every single week. They do bring it. They do have a good defense. So that's something that we need to look to, to ride when we can. Speaking of the Dolphins, we'll move to the four o'clock hour. And the Dolphins nearly won outright as seven and a half point dogs traveling to Indianapolis. But the Colts found a way to score uh, 13 consecutive points to close out the game. They win 27 24, but we get a fairly easy cover. Uh, Mo, this was your game. Uh, it was a split game, so not. Only two members of the collective were on that side. I was with you, kiddo. Talk about this game and uh, what you saw in Dolphins-Colts. This game was defense sold separately. Um, (laughs) It was, man, yeah, a lot of junk plays on both sides. But uh, the Dolphins had some turnover luck in their favor. And, uh, you know, they were getting in their own way early on. It was a little frustrating, but they managed to line up the possessions and go out to a decent lead. So we had the cover locked up going into the fourth quarter, but I still knew the Colts were going to win right after they marched down and scored that touchdown. It was as obvious as could be that they were just not ever losing that game because the Dolphins crumbled like cookies Adam Gase, what I saw out of this game was Adam Gase is an absolute man. I wanted to swear. <laughs> he, he has no balls. He has zero balls. Third and long, he continuously just called for running plays, and it's embarrassing. Like, dude, what do you have to lose? You're 5-5. Five and five. Go for the win. And Pathetic. Isn't... isn't... Miami's secondary littered with guys that win downfield or at least get chunk yak plays like n- none of these guys are possession receivers no there is nobody that you can point to on the Dolphins that's like all right third and five this guy is gonna like run the best but- button hook you've ever seen box somebody out and make a play like all of these guys are drag route yak or downfield players right well, if you take out the boxing out, I would say Danny Amendola is a possession guy. No, he's not. He's he's like Julian Edelman's not a possession receiver to me. He's a yards after play receiver, right? The 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 when I think of a possession guy, I think of somebody who like runs a play, sits in the zone, and just falls down for five yards, right? I'm thinking of like Jericho Cotri, like big body guys that can just box somebody out and get you five yards when you need it. Like all these guys on the Dolphins. They're built to catch the ball and then move it upfield or run past somebody and catch it downfield. Like, you have the perfect third and ten receiver core. Throw them the goddamn ball. Yeah, like, that was, man, Adam Gase. You really let your team down. But they definitely, you know, their downfield, um, their overall offense definitely looked a lot better without the Brockett launcher at the helm. I mean, they got 6.2 yards per play against a Colts defense that, you know, doesn't have great talent, but has been relatively productive on the field this year. And um, that being said, you know, I, I feel good about this pick, uh, even though 
they their defense got absolutely gashed. How, Howard made some good plays, man. Uh, he is a he made a, a, some impressive plays in the secondary. That that pick where he was running backwards, um, there's just not that many DVs who can do that. Like most of them, the peak of their abilities is going to be to uh, bat that away. And for him to be able to play the ball like that, that was pretty impressive. Yeah pair of picks for Xavier Howard. He also ran down T.Y. Hilton on a play. Uh, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Dude, I saw that. He broke into an absolute sprint early on because he saw that he was going to have to cut him off. That was pretty impressive. You cannot catch T.Y. very easily. That, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, Who's in this league is catching T.Y., right? Like That was an insane play by Xavier Howard. Excellent player. Uh, good on the Dolphins for coaching him up and and getting him to where he is. He's he's phenomenal. Uh Tannehill, he's not bad. Like he is the new Dalton to me. Like Andy Dalton is is dead and gone probably. Uh with this injury, who knows if Andy Dalton is ever a starting quarterback ever again. Although the Bengals knowing them they might just keep trotting him out there until he actually dies. But where Dalton was exactly the 16th or 17th best quarterback in this league, I think we can now safely slot in Ryan Tannehill. He's not awful. He's not great. He's just plain average. Makes the throws necessary in this game to keep the Dolphins in the contest. My biggest thing, and DP, I'll let you rant on this because I know you think the same, is who with two eyeballs that function correctly, that can send the correct brainwaves to your head, to make you assess things and and see things, who watches Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake play football and give them an equal amount of touches? DP, can you tell me? Is it possible for a human to watch these two people play the same sport and give them equal playing time? I mean, I guess it's possible because Adam Gase is doing it. I mean, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. I mean, and it, it's it's one thing to. Let me let me rewind to like the beginning of the season. Like that's when you do it, right? You're like you don't you don't really know if like Drake can handle it. You kind of know what Frank Gore has been his whole career. He's a workhorse, blah blah blah, whatever. But like fast forward, specific to this week, Drake comes out guns blazing, like scores. It looks awesome, and it's like okay, just ride the hot hand, if anything. But no, they just go back to the well with Frank Gore. Keep giving him the rock. I I don't understand. You traded away Jay Ajahi to theoretically go with the young guy Drake, right? I mean, that was the plan. Wasn't that the plan? I don't I really I don't understand what like stick with your damn plan. Like and go with this kid who's awesome, who's super young. Running backs die in 3 or 4 years. Just run that kid into the ground. Absolutely run him into the ground. And then, you know, use Sprinkle Frank Gore in sparingly, which also helps, you know, extend the life of Frank Gore, who's like 85 years old and is still churning it out out there. I mean, Frank Gore still gets the job done in certain spots, but when you're giving him as much run as a young, talented running back like Drake, I mean, that just seems, it seems ignorant. It seems really done. I'm Mo, Mo alluded to the whole Adam Gase stuff earlier. I mean, I'm done on Adam Gase. I, I don't get it. I mean, he was, he was touted as like the next offensive guru type of coach years ago when he got this job. And I just, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it at all. I, I I mean, it's one thing to like, you can say, yeah, well, he hasn't had the quarterback. Ryan Tannehill really doesn't have a ton of upside. He's not that good. I get it. But when you're calling run plays on third downs over and over again, that like you're not even giving your quarterback the slightest chance because you're just telling him to hand the ball, damn ball off. Like you have to at least be like, listen, 
guys, you have to run these plays. These are the plays that I'm calling. And if you don't have the talent to do so, well, that's on you. But he puts it all on himself when he calls these horrible, horrible plays. And it's not just the plays. It's like the game plans. Like they come out first quarter, look, look, okay. They look good. They look like they're going to, they're going to, you know, be able to at least stay in this game. If not run away with it, they ended up staying in with the game to get us the cover, but it's like, they should have won this game with the way that it started. And they didn't because, and I can only point to Adam Gase and the play calling and also to the whole Frank Gore, Kenyon Drake thing. Like just give Drake the damn ball. The kid is really good. Adam Gase, offensive genius in a 2018 where moving the ball, throwing the ball could not be easier. All of the rules are tailored for you. The last six plays the Dolphins ran went for a combined negative one yards and resulted in two punts. How does Adam Gase have a job this morning? Fire everybody. It starts with Tannenbaum. How does anybody watch what Tannenbaum did to the Jets roster and give that guy a job? How is that possible? That guy is a train wreck. No development of talent. He never, if you look at like the history of second through fourth round picks when Tannenbaum was with the Jets, it is a dumpster fire. Totally ruined the team, brought in bad contracts. They, if, if the Dolphins want to save anything moving forward, they got to get just rid of everybody. It has to be done. But they got us to cover. Thankful for that. We'll keep it at the 4 o'clock hour. And we'll go to Mile High in Denver, Colorado, where the Broncos were three-point home dogs but ended up winning outright 24-17 against the Sealers. We went back to the well with the Broncos as home dogs. We went back to the well fading the Steelers as road favorites. I was very worried. I still feel like we got a little fortune in this game. DP, this was your pick. Talk about what you saw on Sunday. Well, I saw that, first of all, Cortland Sutton is the new Demarius Thomas, which is a really annoying. Yeah, like, catch the damn ball, dude. Yeah. Like, learn from Manny Sanders and not from the guy who left. Like, please, because Manny Sanders catches everything and is a pro's pro, and Demarius Thomas just drops soft passes all the time. So don't be that guy. Um, I mean, to me, this is, like you mentioned, it was the best of both worlds. You get Big Ben on the road in a tough place to play where he's always horrible, and then you get the Broncos at home where they play really well and have a pretty good defense. Um, I mean, I, I was a bit discouraged like throughout the game with the lack of uh, Denver's ability to move the ball. Uh, I thought Philip Lindsay did great. I mean, that kid seems like a, you know, a stud out there. Um, I mean, came out of nowhere, and he's now just crushing every time he touches the ball. But every time Case Keenum dropped back to throw it, I was just freaking out. I was mad after the fact because it just didn't look like it was going to work out. Um, but in the end, I mean, the the one thing that we thought could easily come in and that we were betting on was Big Ben on the road. And Big Ben threw a absolutely horrible pick at the end. And it was just a total dumpster fire like usual with that guy. Um, I mean, he sucks. He needs to go. If like if any quarterback needs to go, he needs to go. But he's not not ever going to go because, you know, he has a ring or whatever. But that guy's a joke. And, yeah, this was the spot where I said it on the podcast last week when we made our picks. I looked at all the lines, and I honestly I started laughing when I saw this one. I was like, they're really going to do this again? Like, they just did it last week with the Jaguars. And Denver's better at home than the Jaguars are this year. So why is this line, you know, three points? Two interceptions by Roethlisberger in the second half, including that final one at the goal line where 
I, the play was weird. Was there supposed to be a fake? Like, he fakes the handoff to Connor and then kind of runs forward, like some weird read option with him. And then even if the defensive lineman didn't stop, pop back to catch it, Chris Harris jumped the route. So somebody was intercepting that ball, whether it be the the nose tackle or Chris Harris. So an ill-advised throw by Big Ben. Not the best play call. I mean, Steelers on the road as favorites feels like the lockiest thing that we've ever we've ever come upon during this four-year campaign of Gerdine Gamble. I mean, it's unbelievable how they just continue to fail to cover as road favorites. It's just, it's astonishing, really. Uh, those two turnovers were uh, coupled by a pair of fumbles that were recovered by Denver. So we won the turnover battle 4-0. Mo, I still feel like we got away with one here. Uh, the Steelers did have, what is it, a 97-yard touchdown to Juju Smith-Schuster. So, uh Seven of their seventeen definitely high variance, but Mo, I don't know. I just I, I feel fortunate that we escaped here with a cover. No, I told you we we needed the outright win. Um, <clears throat> this one was weird because, like you said, uh, the Steelers did move the ball like pretty efficiently, but here's the problem: is they they just didn't run the ball, and when you don't run the ball, you suscept yourself to some of these, especially when you have a QB like Ben, fifty six times throwing the ball he's gonna throw some stinkers and man he threw some absolute stink bombs the picks were horrifying and then man he missed two easy touchdowns on bombs where uh the receivers smoked the coverage and just they just needed to be hit in stride and it was a touchdown one of them was not caught and the other one like it could have been caught, but it was only going to be caught by James Washington laying out and therefore not scoring a touchdown. And then the other one, just he just missed it. And man, he's just bad. And Steelers, yeah, Ben on the road in a tough environment. We love this fade. It worked out, and I think it was fine. I mean, <clears throat> Denver moved the ball pretty well all day. Philip Lindsay was fantastic, and the Steelers, although they did move the ball, like I said. When you have a QB that makes mistakes like Roethlisberger and a QB who t- holds the ball too long and takes some sacks like he does, like dropping back 56 times is inviting a very high amount of variance into your life. Philip Lindsay's contract, by the way, because he was un- undrafted free agent, three years, $1.7 million. Talk about value. I feel bad for the kid, though, because he's just... <laughs> Like, what's he going to sign after that? Right? He's going to be... I mean, three years. He should get one decent contract. I hope. He's a little dude. And he runs so hard. I I, I kind of cringe when he gets into the open field. Because he's he's the type of guy that's going to lower his shoulder. And I'm like, come on, guy. You're a little guy. You got to save yourself. You got to you gotta make what, you're, uh, what you deserve. Because I don't know if you're going to survive these three years. But we do... Get the outright win for the Denver Broncos. I can't wait to fade the Steelers in the playoffs, especially on the road. Because people are going to keep betting them. The public will continue to bet Pittsburgh. They're going to keep seeing Big Ben, great offense. Juju's amazing. Antonio Brown's amazing. James Conner, great story. Everyone hates Le'Veon Bell. 
and the Steelers are going to be like plus two on the road against some team, maybe even like short home, short road favorites, and they're going to get smoked by one of these teams. I don't even think like I mean I don't even think it's a great offense. They just put up a ton of numbers, and then Antonio Brown and Juju Smith, like you said, they just they're human highlight reels. Yeah, they, when you when you have they those, always get it done. When you have those two guys playing flag football, like anybody's going to sit back there, pat the ball, and and get a bunch of yards, right? Like Big Ben's no good. You put any average quarterback in this offense, they're going to shred because who's covering Antonio Brown and Juju playing flag football? It's impossible. And the Steelers, to me, they're just, I mean, you, you brought it up, fading them in the playoffs on the road because they're one of these teams that they just don't get it. They don't get that like these games are the ones that they need to win to get the home playoff game that they need to then go on to win the Super Bowl, but they never have that stupid home playoff game every year because they're they're losing these these games that they should win. Like they should win this game. If the Steelers are who the Steelers are thought to be with this high powered offense, if Big Ben is who that, you know, he's kind of touted to be all the time, he, they need to win this game. They need to go into Denver and beat this team. You know, they they went into Jacksonville and they got lucky at the end of that game to win that one. Um, but you know, they need to win those games and they never seem to win these games on the road in the regular season. They always throw up these duds. And then, you know, come second or third round of the playoffs, they're on the road and they're losing and they're not the ones going to the Super Bowl. It seems like every single year. So yes, Rich, I'm totally on board with you when they hang, you know, Steelers minus two to minus four, whatever it's going to be on the road. And we can just take them against whoever they're playing. It's going to be glorious. Like Steelers at Colts. That is, I'm drooling waiting for that, right? Colts minus one and a half at home against the Steelers and the Colts just blow doors against this dirtbag Steelers team. All right, the final game, which capped off a 4-1 week. So it should have made me happy. It should have made me happy that the Minnesota Vikings covered the minus three and a half against the Green Bay Packers. 24-17 was the final. I should have been ecstatic knowing that I was going to bed and we were coming off of back-to-back four-in-one weeks, that this podcast would have been fun instead of filled with doom and gloom. But there was a part of me that watched that football game, watched 35-year-old Aaron Rodgers throw for 198 yards, losing both his tackles in the game, including David Bakhtiari, for some time, who's an incredible lineman. And I thought, guys... We only got a couple more years of Rodgers. And I don't want this to be the end. I don't want McCarthy to hang around and a terrible offense to hang around while this guy is still upright and able to throw footballs. We're watching offensive coordinators around the league scheme guys open, be creative, run jet action. And all I see from the, the Packers every single play is four go routes and Rodgers making impossible throws. Nobody ever gets schemed open for this guy, and it's actually starting to piss me off. Mo, we got the cover in the spot, but this life is fleeting, and I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers play football like that ever again. It's starting to piss you off? It's been pissing me off for like five-plus years. This uh, this guy, McCarthy, is an embarrassment. If you just... Man, like you said, you just watch these other offenses. Like the, contrast this team with the Bears. Like look at the talent level on the Bears, and then look at the talent level on the Packers. I mean, the Bears have a mediocre QB, all right receivers, 
I would say probably below average overall. Um, a couple solid running backs, and then just like a whatever O line, and they're just like scoring on people. And then you look at the Packers; they have the goat at QB, two fantastic left ta- uh, uh, offensive tackles, and a very good, probably top ten ish receiver, a very good running back. I mean, and they just look like dog shit. It's it's pathetic. Um, I this game, I was worried about on the record, and I still think there's a lot of worlds in which the Packers cover in this game. But um, it seemed it seemed fine overall. Like the Vikings on defense are starting to maybe come around a little bit. They looked pretty good for the most part. I mean. God missed the layup, though. So this probably should have been a backdoor cover. But, um, you know, sometimes LeBron misses layups, I guess. In in those worlds where the Packers cover, how many of those worlds have Mike McCarthy versus Mike Zimmer? <laughs> you know? That's the difference. And I'll give Zimmer credit. You know, he is always on the record talking about we need to run the ball more, even coming out of halftime. He said, I, I, I wish we could run the ball more. But to his credit, and this is something that I've given McVay credit for in just delegating, right? Zimmer brought in Filippo, and he says, Filippo, you run the offense. I'm not going to touch it. You know, these are my ideas, but at the end of the day, you're calling the plays. Like, do you think Zimmer's going to be out here calling pass plays? On uh, on some of these downs, you think Zimmer's going to go out there and say, "Let's throw the ball thirty eight times with Kirk Cousins"? I don't think so. But he's allowed DiFilippo to do his job, which it seems simple, but some of these coaches just get in their own way and let their ego take over. And credit to Zimmer for allowing the guy that he hired or helped hire alongside the GM to just go out there and do the damn thing. DP, are the Vikings back? Can the Vikings, we've watched them go toe-to-toe with the Rams. We've watched them go toe-to-toe with the Saints. Are the Vikings back? I mean, I don't really think that the Vikings went anywhere to not be back. I think that they're just struggling in terms of where we expected them to be. I mean, I I think that we kind of thought, you know, if you're looking at the standings in the NFC, you know, you got the Saints on top, Rams, then Bears, then Vikings. I think that we all would have kind of guessed that, you know, Vikings should certainly be like that eight and three team, like in the spot where the bears are and the bears should not be where they are. Um, so they're a little bit off their pace. Um, I think that they're, they, at least they appear to be looking like a team that's getting its legs, um, you know, getting Dalvin cook back and getting him worked in, uh, you know, Kirk cousins, just, he has that tendency to just be Kirk cousins at times. And it's, it's frustrating. It's annoying. Um, but he certainly, I think, has the ability in today's NFL to get the ball to his playmakers and Diggs and Thielen. And then, uh, like Mo mentioned, you know, the, the defense is coming around. I think that 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 defense, you know, the better that that defense can get as the year goes on, um, can certainly mask some of the inefficiencies that Kirk Cousins may have as a as a passer and, and you know, some of the stupid things that he does. So, yeah, I think that they're, they're getting back to being where we – had hoped and had thought that they were going to be, you know, after last season, they looked really good this season, you know, returned most of their guys looked like they're, you know, they improved a quarterback, looked like they're just going to be that really big, bad team in the NFC again. So um, they're a team that I think we can certainly look for spots to, uh, to take advantage of. This was one of those spots. Um, 
I mean, at least the three of us, other than Mo, um, who was first first quarter Mo for that that whole first quarter um, on uh, on Sunday night. But yeah, I think that the Vikings are they're going to be back, and I think it's going to be good to try and get them uh, going forward here in some good spots as long as they don't correct too much. And then also, you know, you mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. I think the Vikings in the playoffs in certain key spots too, depending on the numbers, of course. Xavier Rhodes going down with that hamstring injury obviously sucks, but he's been strangely not great this year. PFF has him graded at a 63. He was uh, getting roasted this game. Yeah. Like before just, the injury, he was just, Devontae Adams was just crushing him across the league. And maybe it's just the rules across the league. Like there's some elite cornerbacks that have not played great this year. Another one that comes to mind is Darius Slay. And Slay has battled some injuries this year as well. He started the year with a concussion, but. It's oh man, I, I I truly believe, and Brett continues to roast us about this in our group chat. I truly believe that coverage. This is and this might sound crazy. Coverage doesn't matter anymore, right? Like you can't do what the Jets did in two thousand nine and cover great and then blitz now and again and get to the quarterback and just beat people by covering them. I just don't. I don't think that's possible. I think you have to be able to get to the quarterback uh, in order to play defense in 2018. You you can't just, for 60 minutes, like of, of course, now and again, you're going to have great coverage plays, individual plays, where maybe you get a coverage sack or maybe you force somebody to throw it out. But over the course of 60 minutes, I don't think you can just rely on coverage to play defense anymore. Um, so, and how the Vikings remedied uh, poor performances by Xavier Rhodes? Well, how about Daniel Hunter, uh, Linville Joseph, uh, Everson Griffin, and Sheldon Richardson? That's a good uh, front four to remedy poor coverage. Those guys are absolute horses up front. Uh, just so much talent. And uh, I don't know how you block those guys. I really, really don't. As soon as those tackles went out, uh, it was, there was no chance. Immediately, no chance for the Packers. Dude, what they what they did to those backups was <laughs> embarrassing. That's criminal. So Vikings, very interesting team. Um, I wonder, like divisional round. I wonder how high you can make Vikings at Saints or Vikings at Rams. How high are they going to make those lines? Because there could definitely be some value on. Minnesota. Very interesting. Well, we, are, we already saw Vikes at Rams. Yeah. It was blow yeah. for blow. It was I a mean, touchdown. They were, yeah. They were with them the whole time. And this week, a very interesting game. Vikings at your New England Patriots, DP. That's a fun one. That will be a fun one as long as New England shows up. <laughs> and that's the pod. Before we go, let's look at the Super Contest overall. And your leaders, after 12 weeks, are at pigskin underscore junkies. Good job using your Twitter name, lads. They went 4-1 and one last week. They're currently 45-15 and 15 on the season, the old 75% clips. They have three 5-0 weeks this year. These stats courtesy of my boy, Donnie Peters. They have not posted a single losing week this season. They have the best record after 12 weeks since CH Ballers. They were also 45-15 and 15 in 2014. And going back to 2013, the leader after Week 12 has won three times, including the aforementioned CH Ballers in 2014. 
And then you have uh, Rounding again and Granny's Boy winning in 2015 and 2017, respectively. Very impressive performance by at Pigskin Junkies. We've been following Uncle Brent as well, Brent Musburger of VEASAN, DP. You said he's still doing pretty well uh, as well. Yeah, he's uh, he's 37-22-1 overall. That's 37.5 points. He's uh, he's in that group that's tied for 107. Um, so he's in that, that bunch that's right outside the money. Top 100 places pay. Um, obviously, they're going to account for, for ties and stuff in that. So... Um, he's just, uh, you know, one game or half point or whatever it is uh, outside the money spots right now. But he got off to a really good start, uh, did uh, did Uncle Brent, and uh, he's doing he's doing well so far. He's holding his own. So it looks like the the money is right now, I think, is at 38 and a half points. So we're not too far off of it either. Um, I think Pigskin Junkies, I mean, he's just <laughs> he's probably going to be lapping everyone pretty soon with the way that he's going. Um, but uh, but yeah, top 100 pay this year. So we got to get after it. Yeah, we're only we're at thirty two and a half points, so a six point gap isn't really that crazy if we can string together some more of these performances. Also, gotta give love to the god at Degenerate Dad on Twitter, the homie Kazbeck, four and one this week as well. He's thirty five, twenty two, and three, picking at a sixty one point four percent clip. He's tied for one ninety six right on that money bubble with 36 and a half points. Well done, Kazbeck. Keep it going. Uh, we tried to look up the homie Laird, too, Laird Doman, on Twitter, but we couldn't find his name. So uh, I know he's been uh, tweeting out some pics, said that he's doing well, so shout out to Laird as well. Any of you guys that uh, are also in the Super Contest that listen, drop us a line, at GridironGamble. We'll I do sure want to give one more shout out. Go for it. Uh, coffee Maker. Coffee maker, the god. Shouts to Dwayne. What's up? Uh, so he he tweeted out. Uh, I think it's I forget his his handle is like pops something on Twitter, but he tweeted out. You know, if you can follow him, his two names are GP's finest and PG's finest this year in the Super Contest. He's a uh, he's right around where we are thirty twenty seven and three for one of them, and thirty one twenty six and three. So still going strong, winning records for both, but certainly not off that winning pace that he had from a few years ago. It ain't easy. It really ain't easy to win in this contest. Uh, I'm trying to find his Twitter handle. It is Pop something. It's Pops and I think four numbers. Oh, yeah, Pops3284. There it is. At Pops3284. Shout out to the coffee maker effect. Former champion and Gridiron Gamble fan. What else we got? Uh... I also wanted to look at the consensus, which we got did the contest, the say. raffle. We, this is the reason we did good was because uh, this was an extra productive week for us is because all the other top picks went bust this week. Yep, top six in the consensus went two and four, including three games that we were fading, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, and Indianapolis, who were three, four, and six, respectively. Pats minus nine and a half. The lead pick in the contest at thirty-two and a half percent. My stinking New York Man. Jets. How good would it, would it have been for us if uh, McCown came through with that backdoor cover? He was so close. The Jets. It wasn't that game tied in the third quarter? Yeah, and then they stopped trying. Well, yeah. Well, what the fuck, man? The Jets had no business 
they, they they were not interested in winning that game whatsoever. They were only interested in not getting embarrassed, which is not something you do when you're an awful team, just like the Dolphins. Like, what's the harm in going for it, guys? Why are we punting fourth and third at midfield as nine and a half point home dogs? What are we really doing? The Dolphins are they are absolutely determined to go between nine and seven and seven or nine every single year <laughs> for eternity. Like they like it's like guys either just tank or go all out and like try and actually be like you know ten and six or like something good. But no, they're just like nope. We're just gonna go for five hundred. We're gonna do what it takes to get five hundred every single year. The average point total this week was two point four six, so less than two two and one. There were no draws this week though or pushes i should say uh so yeah the tickets we're back and we got a lot of participation thank you guys so much for tweeting us and retweeting the podcast dp what do you got as a raffle update so right now i have hold on i'm just looking at the number because i know that somebody of course m sarosky the boy saraska donk Sarosky, who's M. Sarosky on Twitter, got all three of the bonuses for Thanksgiving Day. He had the Bears minus three, Cowboys minus seven, Saints minus 13. So he got five tickets there. He retweeted the podcast for an additional bonus ticket. And his pick was the Vikings minus three and a half alongside us on Sunday night. So he had a whopping of seven tickets uh, in in the first week. Cash them. Good job, uh, Five kids all in. Got all the bonuses, uh, likewise, on Thanksgiving Day. He missed out on his Cardinals, plus 12 and a half. They got absolutely blown out by the Chargers. Uh, but he did get the retweet, so he's got six tickets right now. Another person with six tickets is... I have no idea how to say this. GTNLKY on Twitter. Calvin Benjamin uh, in the contest. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> got all the got all the, the Thanksgiving Day bonus tickets that he could have. He got the Giants plus six cover. Uh did not retweet the podcast that I saw, but I've decided that I'm going to leave open the retweet thing and like I'll just kind of check it at the end of the season. So you guys can certainly go back and retweet any of those episodes that we've already put out there, um, starting with week 12 on, um, and get some uh, additional raffle tickets uh, for each of those. So those are the guys at the top of the leaderboard right now. Well done, lads. And again, every week you submit one game against the Super Contest Spread, if you get it right, you get a ticket. In addition to that, if you retweet the podcast, any podcast, when it is posted, you get a ticket at the end of the season. We'll be drawing eight winners to give out eight classic NFL throwback jerseys in addition to a Gridiron Gamble t-shirt. We'll also be doing fun little parlay contests where if you get, like Thanksgiving, all three right, you'll get five tickets, etc. So be on the lookout for those. And that's the podcast follow these guys on twitter at donnie underscore peters and at mo nuara n-u-w-w-a-r-a-h until friday where we bring you our week 13 super contest card have fun be good enjoy the football thursday we'll see you then peace out